0: It's time for Recruiting Better with me, Ben Browning. For ambitious recruiters, it's never been tougher to get seen as a trusted advisor and true partner by your candidates and partners. Join me each week as I address your challenges head on, answering questions from recruitment consultants and business leaders. If you're looking for inspiration or insights to help you make more placements, win more new business, buy more candidates or replace long hours with smart moves, then stay tuned. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Recruiting Better with me, Ben Browning. So I've managed to get the family out of the house for a couple of hours this afternoon to record a session specially for you and especially for those recruiters committed to scaling your business by breaking a new market. Now, for lots of people, there was a huge amount of talk at the beginning of the year about making this the time to break into America. We know lots about that market and I'll share more about it over the last, over the next half an hour but it's really worth bearing in mind that even though the market has quietened down for a lot of people, lots of you are working on cold desks or a new sectors or in new segments or rethinking your business development approach. And Everything I'm going to share in the next 30 minutes or so is absolutely targeted for you too. So if you're about to break into America, if you've got that as a priority for you, then this show today is going to be a real asset. But even if you're thinking about how to make an existing market a little bit easier to break open wide or how to dominate your existing niche, then there'll be lessons here that you can learn from. Over the next 30 minutes, I'm gonna be sharing the four key lessons that I learned from trying and failing to break new markets, the things that changed for me when I succeeded and additional tips and techniques that have helped the businesses that I've worked with since to go about breaking their new markets and establish themselves as a key player. You see, for every single business that you hear who's been a success in breaking a new market or opening up a new revenue stream, there are 15 or 20 who have found it really difficult and pulled back and pulled away. We can't call them a failure, because in trying, there's no failing, but if they haven't broken that new market and established their foothold, there's usually one of four things at play that perhaps they haven't successfully done. and so. Over the next 30 minutes or so, I'll take you through the four key elements you need to be really focused on if you're going to make opening up a new market a success. Firstly, I want to share a big secret with you. To break a new market, we need to step out of thinking about quick wins. It's really easy when you go into a new market, when you target a new space, to focus on picking up jobs. But jobs are not gonna be the way, particularly in a big market, in a big sector, that you really start gaining traction. In fact, it's really inefficient to focus on picking up jobs. What you need to be doing, particularly from the outset, but really all the way through, is focusing on building relationships and winning clients. Winning medium to long-term commitments with businesses who see you as the only choice. See, opening a new market is a long-term play. And as lots of recruiters have said in the last 12 to 18 months, it's easy to pick up jobs only to find yourself with a roster of B or C grade clients come the end of the year. And if you do that going into a new market, the peaks and troughs are going to make it impossible for you to really embed yourself in that space. So if we're going to take our our focus away from specifically focusing on jobs and instead focus on clients, then we might want to set a real tangible and clear goal for ourselves. What I advise all the recruiters that I work with now, the businesses I work with now, is to get really crystal clear in the breakdown of what it is exactly you want from that new market and what metrics you set. And the reason for this is, unless you set out clear standards for the quality of business you wanna pick up, you will end up picking up business that isn't that good. And as I say, business isn't that good, transactional business, low quality business, low level commitment is just gonna generate a new transaction cycle for you. It's gonna keep your wheels spinning without you feeling like you've ever really made that much progress. A smart goal can be built on actionable steps. And this is the way that I'd typically set about it. Let's say you wanna bill a million dollars in the US market in 2024. So clearly we've got a lead time, we've got a ramp time, we've got a few months to get our ducks in a row before we break into that market. That million dollars in 2024 maybe looks like 100 placements. Is maybe made up of 100 placements at $10,000 per placement. Maybe it's only 50 if you're working on bigger fees. Now, if you only fill 33% of those roles, if you only fill a third of those roles, then you're going to need somewhere between 100 and 300 placements in order to hit your revenue target. Let's call it at the top end, let's say something like 300, maybe even giving ourselves a margin for error, taking it up to 330, 350. So for a PERM recruiter, the ideal client we know, typically hires seven to 10 times per year. Any less than that, and you don't get the traction with the client to lock in the commitment, it's difficult to say to a client who hires three times a year, work with us over the next, six months because that's really only one placement it may be a maximum of two at seven to ten hires per year there's much more for them to commit to and there's much more at stake for them as well getting recruitment right or getting recruitment wrong is a much bigger differential the more hires you make but if you go above 10 hires per year and you're paying twenty thousand dollars per hire or ten thousand dollars per hire that recruitment spend could be better invested in an RPO type solution, uh, a kind of a pseudo RPO solution, a recruitment as a service type solution, or even getting your own internal recruiter. So that sweet spot, that Goldilocks number for a perm recruiter in the most in most cases is gonna be somewhere between six and 10. Now, of course, you may say that your market doesn't really allow for that. You do executive hires and your clients, no, there's no way your clients would hire as many as uh, six to 10 people per year. That's cool. But then your fee size is gonna be higher too. So as we build out this math and as we break down that number, instead of basing your million dollars in a year on 100 on hundred placements coming from working 300 roles, it, all of a sudden it comes down to something like 20 placements after working, let's say 100 roles or maybe even 80 roles. And if you're working on an exclusive or retained basis purely, then you'll know that your hit rate is much higher than that so if you want to make if you want to make a million dollars in the executive search market with a 50,000 fee and you're placing pretty much every role you work on you may only need 25 to 30 vacancies in 12 months in order to land that business now i would suggest that having more hires per client is going to be a really good strategy if you're going into a new market in fact if your clients have a low volume of hires, it again reduces your efficiency. And efficiency going into a new market efficiently is absolutely the key. Efficiency is going to drive everything that you do going into a new market because it's so easy to get distracted and frankly, to get a little bit lost. That's certainly one of the experiences that I had. So avoiding that kind of feeling of getting lost and, and, and losing yourself with inefficient processes means starting with, a target in this example, I'm using a million dollars knowing what your average fee is in this case I'm going to say it's ten thousand dollars knowing that well knowing what your fill rate is in which case in this case It's 33% so I know that as long as I get 330 jobs on I will make that million dollars from uh, the 12 months worth of trading in the US and I know that for a perm recruiter As a PERM recruiter, I'm going to be making six to 10 hires per year. So that means I'm going to need somewhere in the region of 40 to 50 clients. Ideally, I'd like then to spread that volume of new business across four to maybe five hires. I'm pretty certain that I can win one client per month with the playbook that I grabbed from the team at Resonant. Um, But in order to do that, I'm probably going to need, in order to hit my revenue target, then I'm probably going to need four, maybe five people working on it. That's to make a million dollars with a 10,000 average fee. If your fees are higher, your clients hire more frequently, you fill more than 33% of the roles, you're going to need less people, you're going to need less opportunities. Now, each one of those people in my team, each one of those five people in my team, therefore needs to make enough calls and meetings each month to sign at least one client to an SLA. The question then is what combination of sales and marketing strategies do you need to deploy in order to generate that level of business? How many calls, how many emails, how many meetings, how many proposals and consultations do you need to do? And that'll be the basis of your DB of your BD plan. Let me give you a little bit more data to kind of give you an example of what that might look like. All right, so let's say we're taking one recruiter needs to land one client per month over the course of a year. In order to land one client committed to an SLA, which is effectively a six-month agreement where you're gonna work with that business exclusively, that recruiter is gonna need somewhere in the region of four to six Discovery meetings. Off the back of those four to six discovery meetings, they're probably going to make final closing proposals to two or three businesses from which they'll land one SLA. So let's say it's the big number. I always work with the maximum amount of capacity in my pipeline. So let's say we've got six, we need to find six meetings per month. That's one and a half basically uh, per week. In order to book one and a half meetings per week, probably need to have somewhere in the region of 15 conversations, maybe as many as 20 conversations. And in order to have 20 conversations, providing you've got enough data, you're gonna find that your clients are picking up the phone, maybe one in 10 calls. So in order to have 20 conversations, you need to be making 200 dials. 200 dials per week is 40 per week. So a new business consultant focused on a new market, targeting picking up one new client a month at a commitment of an SLA six months exclusivity, needs to do forty dials per day to a well targeted list, and I'll come on to what we mean by a well targeted list in a moment. But bear in mind, of course, that not all of the conversations that that consultant generates are going to come from outbound dialing, whether that be warm calls or cold calls. I'm agnostic at this stage, but it also they're also going to come from social media touch points and email touch points as well. So emails can generate conversations, social can generate conversations. It's then what you do with them that matters. So in order for our email outreach to be effective in helping support generating 20 um, conversations per day, we probably need to be sending somewhere in the region of 40 emails a day. 40 emails a day is 200 a week. Converting or getting a response at about 3%, somewhere between three and 5%, means we're getting six and 10 people come back to us. And I reckon you can typically expect about a third of those to lead to further conversations if you handle their responses right. So 200 emails per week gets you six to 10 responses. Of those, two to five will end up in in meaningful conversations that you can potentially progress to sales meetings. The thing people don't recognize or don't often factor in is how many emails you do actually need to send in order to get these kinds of returns. And the truth is that if you work your approach, your email approaches, based on a cadence of six to seven email touch points across a three week period, you're likely to generate a higher return than three to five percent. But we've got to be doing the volume. In fact, 40 dials and 40 calls. But you've got to be doing the volume in fact 40 emails and 40 dials a day is a pretty good recipe for a consultant going into a new market to really begin to establish themselves so now we have the basis of a plan we've set that revenue target we've worked out how many people we need to be working on it we've worked out where that revenue is going to come from we've worked out what our goal is in terms of winning clients not jobs and we've set some activity metrics and some measures around the kind of activity that we're gonna be need to doing off the back of that. That plan will not necessarily guarantee you the returns that you want, but month by month, you'll be able to look back at the data, analyze what you're doing, compare your inputs to your outputs, see whether you're getting the expected results, and change and tweak based on how things are going. The alternative, which I've seen so many recruiters do, is just say, right, let's grab our list and let's call as many people as possible in our new territory and see what happens, see if we can pick up some jobs. And of course, they just burn themselves out so quickly. The efficiency of trying to tackle a new market, as particularly a market as huge as the US, is really difficult. So we've got a plan. We know how much we want to bill, We know how many clients it's going to take for us to uh, build that based on how many roles they typically provide us with and what our fill rate is. We've worked out how many consultants we reasonably need to have working on this in order to make it work. And we've worked out off the back of that, what our activity is. Now, of course, that may not be the exact recipe that you need to guarantee the business that uh, is going to take you to that million dollar revenue target. However, With this plan in place, you can calibrate and recalibrate each month. You've got a framework to start from. You've got some clear guidelines that everybody in your business can be working towards. And if you're not getting enough conversations out of the dials you're making, or you're not getting enough meetings out of the conversations you're having, or you're not getting enough closes out of the meetings and the proposals that you've sent, then you'll know that there are things in that process that you need to tweak. One of them may be your value proposition. And that's what we're going to talk about next. Most people fail to break a new market. Take the US. Recruiters dream of bigger fees and more respectful clients. Don't worry about the time difference. They say, I'll make so much money and be so successful that I can cut back on hours later. After all, with those massive fees, it's got to be easy, right? The problem is they end up working harder than they did in the UK. And most people, frankly, give up because they're not focused enough. It's inefficient. And actually making money in the UK, although the fees are smaller, feels easier than it is to go out to the US. Why is that? Why is it that recruiters end up being so inefficient when they tackle new markets? Well, usually it's because they go about it the wrong way. And a big part of that is getting their value proposition wrong. They go to America or they go to their new territory, desperate to be a success. And that desperation is why they fail. See, desperate people are hard to trust. And your desperation, whether you want to or not, comes over in your phone. It comes over in your message. And not only are desperate people hard to trust, they're actually quite difficult to like. So what we need to do if we're going to be really effective and successful in breaking a new market is go in rich. It is that whole act as if kind of thing, that fake it till you make it. But I don't think recruiters need to make it because you already create amazing value for your existing clients. So stop asking your clients to help you when you go to a new market and start offering your expert support instead. That might sound really obvious, but think about it when so many recruiters go to their new market, just opened a new office, or they've just opened up territory in a, a new space. And they typically go out and they say, hey, look, uh, we're new here. We just wondered if you needed any more support. We just wondered how you're getting on with your existing suppliers. But I think there's a real opportunity here to flip the narrative. In fact, I've seen it be really powerful where recruiters have flipped the narrative. Imagine being a party. And you're not quite sure, you don't know that many people and you're walking around kind of looking a little bit lost saying to people, hey, oh, I'm I'm really, I'm really pleased. I'm so lucky to, I feel so lucky to be invited to this party. I'm so grateful to have had the opportunity to uh, to, to come and meet you guys. And everyone's looking at you kind of like, who is this person? The flip side of that is like, oh, cool. Uh, Billy invited me because he, he, he was really, uh, he was really excited to introduce me to you guys and then you start talking about you know, a common interest or a shared interest. You lead with this fact that you've been invited to that market, into that territory, and actually you're really glad to be there because frankly, you deserve to be. It's about replacing desperation with the knowledge that you deserve to be there. So it's time to communicate in all of your branding and your messaging why you're there and what led you to be there. And that that desire to be there wasn't a desire to take money off of people and make big fees, but it was a desire to fix a problem that you recognize that market has, that without you, they cannot fix. It's about the gap in the market that you've stepped in to fill, how you stop them suffering. So instead of saying to people, hey, look, we're We're here if you need us. We're we're happy to help. Like we're we're trying to get a foothold in this new market, and it'd be you know great to meet you and understand a little bit more about your space and perhaps how you see you know the differences between the UK and the US, for example. Instead, you're saying it's okay. We're here now. We've fixed recruitment for businesses in the UK, and now we're here to show you how to do that. We're sorry it took us so long to get here, but we're here now. It's all about the swagger. It's all about the confidence. It's all about the natural born right to go into a business and show them that the way they've been recruiting in the past is not as good as it should be and that you're finally here to help them optimise. There's a kind of neat analogy here actually, isn't it? It's like the kid at their first day at a new school, if they're tentative and worried and nervous, then the chances are they may not form the same relationships as if they go in really confident, really excited, really exuberant and really able to bring something to the table. But I also think the other analogy is about a football player who joins a new club and whether they come in and be like, right, I'm here to be in the first team. I'm here to do whatever it takes. I'm here to really smash it versus that kind of thing where they walk into the dressing room and they're looking around at all the big name players and feeling like they don't quite belong. So, there's a real imperative here, if you're going to break a new market, to be able to really own why you're there, what track record you're bringing with you, and really demonstrate right from the outset that you have the confidence that you can change the way your clients think about and experience their approach to hiring and getting the best people in their team. By now, you've established a really clear plan. You've set your billings target, you've worked out how you're going to achieve that, you're going to work out who's going to achieve that and you've worked out the recipe for activity that those people need to undertake in order to deliver that number. We've then looked at your messaging and that will have changed hopefully significantly to one where you are really going in powerfully and going in strong, going in rich. You're saying to the US or whichever new market you're approaching, we're here because we know you need us. We've fixed this for other clients in the past and this is what we're bringing to the table. And that confidence, that poise, that positioning is gonna make a huge amounts of difference if you're really gonna cut through and win business efficiently in that new market. And frankly, it creates an amazing opportunity to break away from your old messaging and really set up something new. Standing out in your sector is becoming harder than ever. Lots of people are making noise, saturating the market with the same old drill tones. So if you want to stand out, it's time to start a podcast yes there's loads of podcasts out there but how many of them are actually in your niche do any of them speak to your perspective on the market i didn't think so podcasting not only sets you apart as an innovative thinker in your market it is great content for repurposing here at search that we help you become the voice of your industry we can stretch your content and turn it into a content gold mine leveling up your personal brands and recruitment marketing in the process. Sounds good, doesn't it? Well to find out more, head over to searchthat.co.uk forward slash podcasts. The third piece of the puzzle and the third trap that I see recruiters fall into is a lack of focus. The number one reason that people fail to break new markets is exactly that. It's a lack of focus, it's a level of distraction. Now often recruiters run off to win at build a new market without the stuff that we've already talked about without a clear plan and without a clear messaging. But though even with those two things, there's still an opportunity for you to get lost and become really insignificant really quickly as you flap about trying to generate a decent stream of revenue. America, for example, you might have noticed is big, is really big, is vast. In order to make progress in that market, you need momentum. The smaller the market, the better. So first, you need to niche down. First, you need to focus on what you're best at. Then you need to narrow down even further. Then you really need to cut it back. You want small pools of people to focus on. Go in with that confidence. Go in with that clarity that we talked about in parts one and two. And now build a really small, targeted, refined list of people that you know, given the right opportunity, you can truly transform their experience of hiring. Unless your market feels impossibly small, unless you're thinking, blimey, there's not enough people here for us to do business with, then your market is too big. Your communication, your branding, your message will never land with the volume of people that you're trying to make it land with, unless you can really get your arms around it, be really consistent, be really repetitive in your message to those people. Typically, what we're looking at is 60 clients, 60 businesses will win you $1 million in revenue. In fact, I reckon you're probably, for most recruiters, looking at somewhere as low as 40 to 60, clients that will generate that million dollars for you if you go about it in the right way. Now it's really important when you look at a new market that you don't think of industry specialism and niche as the market and that if you do you don't sell to that market. You need to sell of course to the person, you need to sell to the stakeholder and that's important for two reasons. The first one is that your clients, in order to sell effectively to your clients, you need to get them emotional. The people who are going to buy in to working with you exclusively for a six-month period are not people who want to save time and hassle in their recruitment process, right? That isn't significant enough of a driver. It's not powerful enough of a motivator for them to make that change. You're going to tell me, I'm sure, oh, most of my clients come to me because we save them time and hassle. But how many of your clients have you agreed six-month exclusivity agreements with up front as you step into a new market? In fact, how many of those businesses are really committed and collaborative with you in terms of providing you high-quality jobs that you fill most of? And how many of those businesses see you as the only provider, not just the only recruiter, but really the only provider of solutions that they need? Because fundamentally, great sales and getting your client to pay you and invest in your product in the way that you believe they should requires a level of emotional investment that you simply can't get if you're talking about the same kind of change and tripe kind of service promises that everybody else is making. So going into that new market, you need to think about, yes, your industry niche and your specialism, but then you need to really focus in on the people, the problems and the priorities that they have. If, for example, within your specific industry and niche, you say, actually, we help people who are really determined to turn their talk around diversity and inclusion into real action. And our process and our methodology is set up to help businesses de-bias their recruitment process, then that would be the kind of people you'd go after. You'd go after those C-suite leaders, those senior leaders who really, truly are committed to turning their talk around diversity into real present action that forms the basis of everything they do, particularly when it comes to hiring talent. The alternative, of course, is that you might say, you know what, actually, we are just a fully digitally enabled agency. And so what we're looking to do is we're taking AI and tech and video to recruit uh, to employers to help drive the way they recruit, to really bring their recruitment processes up to date into 2023 and make them future ready. We're getting rid of CVs. We're getting rid of um, face to face interviews, potentially if they don't matter to our clients. We're doing much more in the way of online testing, much more in the way of one-way video interviews, those sorts of things. If that is the kind of platform that you're building, if that's the kind of recruiter that you wanna be recognized as, then take that to market. But your market specifically is people who care about having a highly technologized approach to recruiting that is potentially future-proof or certainly updated for this market. There's going to be a load of different philosophies, priorities, mindsets that sit within your stakeholder group. For some businesses, and I was talking to a client about this last week, it's simply the fact they want to protect their share price. The clients that they talk to, their whole narrative is around, look, we help you protect your share price because your A players are hiring B players currently. Those B players will become managers will become leaders who hire C players. And as you degrade the quality of your team, hire by hire, month by month, year by year, you reduce your ability to generate revenue and you increase your cost base and increase your inefficiencies, which means that overall, this impact is going to be huge on your share price over the next five to 10 years. Now, if you're a CEO who cares more than anything else about the value of your share price, then we can help with that. We can make a significant shift or we can significantly protect your share price. Those are important messages to figure out up front. That's about positioning. That's about segmenting. That's about picking your market. I have more and more conversations about this lately, but it really doesn't matter what your sector or what your niche is, pick one. But then within that, find the messages that really land, with the individuals. A good way of going about finding these people is thinking about your most passionate existing clients, the ones who'd run through brick walls for you, in fact better than that. The ones who've give you given you case studies and testimonials, the ones who've recommended you to other people, the ones who collaborate, the ones who you've got the highest fill rate on their jobs and who you've been able to cross sell and upsell to. Cross sell meaning opening up more parts of their organization and upsell meaning maybe you started contingent you've moved to exclusive or or perhaps even retained. Look at those clients. What is it that they recognized in your approach, in your methodology, in the way that you think about recruitment, that drove them to make such big commitments to you? That's really important stuff, understanding who those best clients are and what it is they love about you, because that should then create a template for who you go out to seek in your new world. Your market, isn't an industry and it isn't a sector, it's people. It's a community. It's people who prioritize and care about the things that you prioritize and care about in your business. Go and find your people. That's the best way to save all of those inefficiencies that so many recruiters fail to nail when they go out to build a new market. If you wanna break a new market, there are a number of strategies and approaches that we're discussing here today. All of these techniques are best boiled down in the form of a sales methodology. And sales methodologies are the cornerstone of the playbooks that I create for my clients. So if you're finding this useful, but you're feeling like there's a lot of moving parts that you need to get your head around, and perhaps your commitment to breaking a new market, is being challenged by all of these additional thoughts and strategies that I'm recommending that you give some thought to, then reach out to me. It's possible that in working together, we could build a playbook that would take the handbrake off your ability to scale, in particular with generating a new revenue stream in a new market. Now, I'm not gonna sugarcoat this one. It comes with a trigger warning. The next section of this podcast will challenge your beliefs about sales and it will give you a new perspective. I don't claim you're going to like it, but I'm going to tackle one of the beliefs that Recruitment 101, that initial set of training that recruiters are given in their first couple of weeks and and dragged up with and brought up with all the way through their careers. And I'm going to tell you that something that sits at the core of that is wrong if what you're trying to do is break a new market. See, we've already talked about the fact that focusing on jobs is less efficient and less effective than focusing on winning high quality clients. What I'm going to tell you now is that focusing on someone who's actively hiring when you're trying to break a new market is also a flawed approach to sales. I'd actually go so far as to say that you will never break a new market if you're constantly focused on picking up new jobs or working with clients who are actively hiring. Getting an active client to hire your candidates is quick and easy, but it isn't the best way to grow your business. Because what you need to do when you're breaking a new market is really establish yourself in the space as someone who is credible, reliable, and consistent. And constantly chasing the next vacancy will always make you look like someone who is constantly chasing the next vacancy, right? That piece we talked earlier about desperation and only focusing on making the next fee is absolutely true here too. Got to be looking at clients who aren't actively hiring. However, you can massively waste your time if you're talking to businesses because you like the look of them rather than because you see some money there. So what you need to do, what we need to do, is work out how you can approach a new market and win clients who are likely to hire, in fact, who you're certainly gonna hire in the next 12 months, but talking to them, having a strategic conversation with them ahead of their need for a next hire. The best way to describe this is to think about the fact that it's impossible to make a tactical shift and a strategic shift at the same time, because a tactic is a product of a strategy. So if your client is actively hiring, they've got their hands full with tactics. Changing the strategy isn't going to work. You cannot change the tyres on a car while it is rolling along the road. And so it's crucial that if you start conversations with clients, you start at a point where they don't have their hands full of tactics because strategies are so much more valuable and strategies are where you win long-term commitment. What you need to do, when you break a new market, and I'll make it this simple, is you need to identify people who hire, particularly on the permanent basis, but we'll talk about contract in a moment, multiple times per year, probably somewhere in that Goldilocks number of six to 10 times. Now, it might be more than that for your market, if you can avoid the traps of internal recruitment HR, or if you're prepared to go through a strategy, which is a bit more detailed, a multi-thread, so that you've got every single stakeholder across the business locked in, but that is more time-consuming. So usually the right number is about six to 10 hires per year. On contract, obviously it's more than that, but you want them to have a, a solid number of consistent runners at any one time. You really want to be looking at businesses in that way. How much do they spend on recruitment per year? Because if you've got a client who hires 10 times per year and they have and they are not happy with the way their restric- recruitment strategy has been working in the past, or there's an element of your process approach and philosophy which can significantly improve their results, then of course they're going to consider the possibility of change. And if they're not hiring right now, if they hire 10 times a year, it's pretty likely that it won't be too long before they hire next. So having those strategic level conversations means targeting your clients when their hands are empty of tactical change or tactical efforts. And it means having a conversation which gets them thinking, about that strategic level of change. You've gotta be targeting people who have enough runway and enough space to make the strategic change that you're going to ask them to. Now, imagine that you don't do that. Imagine that you don't do that. Imagine that you're happy with kind of a more transactional approach, picking up jobs, filling vacancies. How the heck do you actually compete and lock out your competition, or in this instance, break into a new market if you're frankly doing broadly the same as what anybody else is doing. The only way that you're really gonna lock in consistent levels of high quality clients with decent sized commitments to you, where you end up locking in all of their business for a period of years, and asking initially for a period of months, the only way that you're gonna win that level of business is if you show your client and you take your client, you, you kind of enable your client to see and believe that you are going to deliver a period of transformation where they go from hiring in a way that has been inefficient and ineffective to a way of hiring that is not only efficient and effective, but future-proof and right size for their business and their culture and their goals. Breaking a new market, therefore, means changing the game, not playing the game. Players get played. Look, either your market is big enough that you only need to call people who hire a significant time per year or spend a significant amount on recruitment each year, or the market that you're looking at isn't viable, it's not big enough. Either there are 50 to 60 businesses in there who you re- re- really seriously believe are motivated to change and really think about transforming the way they hire, or there aren't, and if there aren't, that market is not big enough to play in. Now, if you're looking at the US, this is not a problem you have. The problem that you have in the US is not a lack of jobs. It's not a lack of opportunity. The problem that you have with breaking a market as big as the US is that you're not focused enough and you're not asking for big enough commitments. There are so many businesses and organizations in your sector, in the market that you're going to go into, that you need to be focused on taking cherry-picking the top level of commitment, not just wishy-washing around, taking a thin slice of the pie at the kind of contingent, low-level, low-quality end of the market. In fact, if you step into a new market, you've got an opportunity to redefine what the service and the solutions that you provide your clients look like. And if you don't take that opportunity, as I say, you end up playing a game that everybody else is playing, and you will end up feel like, feeling like you've been played. In fact, you'll soon be back, pulling back from that market, refocusing your attention on where you started because it felt like too much work to really make any traction in the market that you were going after. 10 committed clients with five roles per year, per consultant is enough, more than enough to get you well on your way. Your job in breaking a new market is winning attention. And you won't do that if you're desperate to get CVs in people's inboxes. You need to change your target. You need to change your timing. You need to make a clear plan. And you need to go in confident. Instead of, we're hoping perhaps we could help you with your latest vacancy, lead with, we know you've been struggling. We understand that the market of recruiters in the US in your particular space at the moment is not optimized, is not serving you in the way that we believe it should. We've helped fix these problems for businesses in Europe, and we are now here to do this precise same thing for you. Worth us grabbing 30 minutes some point next week to talk through the differences between the way that you've been supported to date and the excellent results that we've been able to support businesses in Europe create.
1: I love sharing stuff
0: like this with you guys, right? it's a really big part of what I do now is presenting content on the podcast and as much as I've loved to have, having all of the guests that we've got coming on in this series on the show, the solo episodes really give me a platform, give me an opportunity to talk to you about changes and shifts that I believe will create great value in your business and the reason I believe that is because I've seen it happen for my clients and the people that I've worked with in the past as well as experience firsthand the challenges and the pitfalls that I help them avoid. So I'm confident that with the four lessons in this show, you'll be able to make a really big impact when you step into or as you step into the new markets that you're targeting. And I really look forward to hearing the results that you get as a result, because breaking new market is a daunting challenge full of risks and pitfalls, but it's also a hugely rewarding uh, opportunity and a massive chance to open up your revenue streams. It's also a massive chance, if you follow the steps that I've talked about here, to really redefine your positioning, redefine your branding, really rethink about who you are as an organization and what you're saying to your market, to ditch some of the desperation, to ditch some of the uh, scattergun approach, to really laser in on clients with problems, specific problems that you're personally set up to solve, to really think about what is our roadmap for success in terms of the activities we need to take to hit our revenue target. Thinking about going in rich, going in confidently, and the reason that you belong at the party. In fact, the reason that, frankly, you've come to change the game. And thinking about how you overcome the challenges of breaking a new market, the kind of core piece being efficiency. How can you step into a brand new room where you don't know anybody and quickly engage people to grab not only their attention, but really win big commitments in that market? It's an exciting time and I love to hear the stories of recruiters who have been successful with putting the stuff that I share into play. So if that's you, please leave a review for the show. And if you can take a moment to drop me a personal note, it's always super appreciated. I'll look forward to seeing you next time on the Recruiting Better show. Take care.